What's going on, Regeneration? On today's episode, we sit down with two Ohio runners who just competed in the Olympic Trials Marathon down in Atlanta, hear all about their journey getting to this point and how the race played out for them. Sarah Beal and Nate Orndorf have a great story to tell. Here we go. Cool. Well, we are back. Ridge on our live episode seven. Uh, if you guys missed that fun intro, uh, we do it again because we had some audio issues, but we're back with uh, two very special guests tonight. Uh, both Ohioans competed in Olympic trials marathon in Atlanta this past Saturday, and they're here to tell us all about it. So without further ado, Sarah Beal, Nate Orndorf, how are you guys? Great. Good. Th- thanks for coming on the show, guys. We're really looking forward to talking to you about your experience this past week. And before we get too deep into thing things, uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? Classic PBR. And then I, I have a Dogfish Head IPA. Awesome, John. Yourself? Oh, I am drinking uh, some Rheingeist Ink. It's an uh, Imperial Stout. Pretty delicious. And uh, Wesley, you have the same as last week? Or are you uh, up this, this is it. Last week of the uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. So next week it'll be uh, something new. So I'm super excited uh, for that. Um, what's even more exciting is these two guests. And they're going to tell us all about uh, their experience this past weekend and all about their running careers. So uh, I'm super interested in how you guys both got into running. And it's kind of interesting because uh, maybe running wasn't your guys' first sport that you guys wanted to do, but you both came to find it. And I think that's what a lot of uh, ultra runners uh, come to do. So uh, how did you guys both find running? And we can start with Nate. Yeah. So I played soccer for four years, uh, middle school and um, before that. And I played basketball one year and I wasn't very good at basketball. Only good at soccer because I hustled and uh, I could work for it. But uh, I want to play baseball the spring after my eighth grade year, just a city league type of thing. And my parents didn't really want to pay for all the all the equipment. So like, hey, why don't you sign up for running? All you need is a cheap pair of shoes from Payless. And that's what I did. That's awesome. And then Sarah? Um, so I played a whole bunch of sports. Uh, I played basketball was my main sport. Um, I played some volleyball for a while and then I played softball. Um, but my freshman year of high school, I, I realized I hated softball. It was super boring. I was just standing there most of the time. So I decided that I would just join, uh, the track team. And I thought, well, since I could get up and down the court and basketball super quick, I'm like, Oh, I'll be a sprinter, like no brainer. Um, and I was quickly introduced to the distance side of track. And then, um, I got, uh, convinced, uh, to join the cross country team my sophomore year and I fell in love with it immediately and ended up like quitting all the other sports just to run. So quick, yeah, I think quick into it. Super interesting how like both you guys were into softball and baseball and then you're basically like not, not for me for whatever reason. And you guys found running and uh, I'm sure you guys are both glad you did now. Um, talk us through your running career. So obviously you guys uh, started running um, when you guys did uh, talk to us about your beginning years of running and how that kind of transitioned to where you are now. Yeah. So my, see, I started, um, I ran cross country my freshman year of high school. I didn't run track that year. Uh, so I took a bit large amount of time off between the 
two um, between the two cross country seasons. Uh, and then my sophomore year is really when I started to run year round. Um, since then I really started to figure out like the dedication you need to put in running to be good. Uh, so then my junior year was a big breakout year in track uh, and cross country. And then since then I really fell in love with it and knew it was something I wanted to do for a long time. That's awesome. Sarah. Um, so getting started in high school, uh, it was a slow transition. Um, I ran over the summer, but wasn't like super serious. Didn't had no idea what I was doing. I remember my first track meet, they had to tell me like, just like do two laps, uh, turn left. That's all you do. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. So I, um, gradually progressed to college at Shawnee and slowly started building mileage and getting more serious with it and actually understanding running more. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, obviously you guys both kind of worked your ways up throughout the ranks and obviously you guys ran a little bit in college. Um, when was the first time that this big goal of qualifying for the Olympic trials popped in your head? And what was that moment like? Sarah, you can start with this one. So I, after I graduated from Shawnee, uh, I stuck around to get a second degree and my college coach, Eric Putnam, he put this idea in my head. I ran my first half at Columbus and, um, and, uh, it went pretty well. So he put this idea in my head that, oh, well, you should try to shoot for, uh, the trial standard and the marathon. And the half was the farthest distance I'd ever raced. But uh, no questions asked. I'm like, well, he thinks I can do it. So, all right, how do I get started? What do I do? And just progress from there. Awesome. And so to give uh, the listeners a little bit of the timeline, when was your first half marathon? And then when did you uh, qualify for the trials? So I ran my first half. um, It was the fall after I graduated. I think it was... 2016. Um, and then I ran my first marathon a year later at the same race and I didn't qualify that race. Uh, and then the, a year later at the same race, I really liked the Columbus marathon. Um, I qualified. So it was a couple of years after at the same exact race. Awesome. And before we dive into Nate's uh, answer here at Bridge Runner Nation, if you have any questions you want to ask these guys at any point, uh, feel free to drop those in the comments below in the chat and uh, we'll see those. It looks like Sarah has a friend there that actually has a question for us. So uh, we'll introduce him right now. Um, this is Jackson. He'll be popping in uh, frequently for me to throw some toys. Um, this is my golden doodle and he controls most of my life other than running and work. That's awesome. Getting back to the serious topics here, not that Jackson's not serious and whatnot, <laughs> but uh, Nate, go ahead. Yeah, so I I really wanted to qualify for the trials uh, when I first figured out what it was. And that was, I think, around my sophomore year of high school. Uh, after my junior year, I ran a half marathon uh, up in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, and I won it. It was, I ran like 113. Um, so, I mean, obviously not a blazing time, but something that's pretty decent for a high schooler. Uh, and since then I've always had it in the back of my mind that marathon was something I wanted to do. Uh, of course I never really had the opportunity to run a marathon until after college. Uh, so yeah, after that, it really became more of a, a plan and goal rather than just a, a dream. 
So how'd you hear about it? Obviously you said that you heard about it. Um, what was that experience like? How'd you get exposed to it? I think it was some along the lines of like a, a runner's world magazine or something. Um, it wouldn't have been around at the time of any trials or anything because I graduated high school in 2012. So that would have been a trials year. Uh, so it was somewhere around 2010 that I learned about it. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing it was, I don't remember specifically, but some sort of running magazine or something. That's so really all I, all I read and all my life was about those days. <laughs> that's awesome. So take us, you guys take us now a little for, forward now getting closer and closer to race day. Obviously to get to the race, you have to qualify for the race. So talk to us about your training leading up to your qualifying race. Uh, do you guys have a backup plan in mind or is this is kind of just, I've got one race to nail it and this is it. Uh, Nate, go for it. Yeah. So I, I qualified at in Indianapolis, uh, this past November. And that was actually the backup to my backup plan. Um, I ran my first marathon uh, in the spring of 2018. Uh, yeah, in Toledo. And then I, I wasn't really trying to qualify there per se. Uh, then that fall, I went out and ran Chicago, the goal of qualifying, and I uh, failed miserably. And then I put together a much better training block and went to Grandma's the following spring and failed even more miserably. <laughs> And then I uh, went out to Indy, um, which I called my last shot because I didn't really want to try out the CIM. So that was a, a do or die for me, and I nailed that one. So I had a relatively quick turnaround uh, compared to a lot of people to train for the trials. Uh, so I, I had an eight-week block of peak mileage, which was around 115 to 120 at most, uh, and then two-week taper. So it wasn't... It wasn't the worst. I wasn't like coming off of Houston or anything, but it was definitely shorter and more uh, quicker, quicker after my previous marathon than I would have liked, but definitely got it in. That's awesome. So obviously you went through a couple uh, failures there and trying to maybe learn the distance a little bit. Um, yeah. Talk to us about that. What were those failures like? Uh, what were the times you ran at those race? And like, what did you learn from each race? Um. So my first one, I ran 227, 58, I believe. Uh, that one, I, I think went to the half around 110 and kind of uh, ran like six flat pace the rest of the way. Uh, that one, I really realized I needed to nail nutrition because I didn't, didn't really have much of a plan. Um, and then in Chicago the next year, I ran, or the next fall, I ran right around 235. Uh, that one, I went out a little faster and died a little more. Um <laughs> And that one was, I realized it wasn't as like fueling. I really needed to nail electrolytes. That was a really weird weather year. It was cool, but humid and ended up being hot. Um, and then in, at grandma's, I ran 239, died even worse. Uh, that one, I still don't really know. It's a combination of everything. Um, I, I think at that point when you're, when you know, you're not going to hit the standard, it's just more of a mental blow than it is anything. And you just kind of, jog it in, but, uh, glad I finished those. I really learned from all those that nothing is marathon is never given. You can be in the, the shape of your life and, and still not nail the marathon. There's so many variables. Um, so yeah, I really focus on everything, practice feeling a lot more, uh, leading up to Indy and just fortunate to get that one the whole way through. That's awesome. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, obviously it takes some steps and some a learning curve a little bit to kind of get to where you wanted to go, but it's, you eventually got there. Uh, Sarah, 
talk to us about your uh, qualifying experience. Obviously, I think you said it was a one-year uh, transition there. Talk to us about your training leading up to that year and what that whole experience was like and the race itself. Um, so my first marathon was uh, Columbus a couple years after I graduated. And that race I ran, I think, 249. So I didn't qualify in that one. Uh, made a lot of first-time mistakes. Uh, not really even mistakes, just unfortunate first-timer things. I didn't take any nutrition. I had to stop to use the bathroom, um, went out way too fast. Like I did everything probably wrong, but, uh, I finished in 249 and then ran the same race a year later and, uh, qualified with 35 seconds to spare, which was kind of a nail biter. Um, but leading up to that, I think I was doing, um, on the lower end of mileage, uh, for a marathoner, I was running, I'd say about 70 miles a week, um, on average, uh, for the marathon that I qualify or for the training that I qualified. Um, and then for the trials, I up my mileage to about 80 miles a week, um, which I felt a lot stronger, uh, the whole training cycle. Um, but, uh, definitely, uh, still have some, some things to learn about the marathon. <laughs> So I have a, just a random question for both of you. Obviously you can go on runner's world or any, uh, really any site and like look up like top 10 most tips to uh, like avoid in your first marathon things to kind of like just go wrong. And I feel like and me personally, like I don't really take those to heart until I experience them. Uh, why do you guys think that is? Uh, might be a deep question, but I, I think it's kind of that you, you get to that point and you don't really think like uh, nutrition, for example, I kind of went through this at the trials. I was like, uh, I don't really, I have all these bottles. I don't really need to take these, these salt tabs that I, I'm carrying with me. Uh, but you, you know, you should, and you're just like, I don't know. It, it's weird. Um, it's kind of like the, you, you want to risk it to, to get it all, but you don't realize that it's not going to, it's not going to pay out. <laughs> I agree. I think like in the back of your head, you, you know, like, you hear all these things and you know, like, oh, okay, like not taking nutrition is probably not a good idea, but it's fine. I'll be fine. Like the, the horror stories won't happen to me. And then they happen. You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> Smacks you in the face. Yeah. It's, it's like, you think it's a risk taking nutrition. It's like, oh, maybe it'll upset my stomach, but you don't realize yeah. that <laughs> you might feel a little uncomfortable, yeah. but you're going to walk in a couple of miles if you don't. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. especially if you're feeling good, right? Because then you're like yeah. top of the world. You're like, I don't need anything. I'm not going to ruin anything. I'm just going to keep going <laughs> as I am. Yeah. You're not. like, I'm going to ride this feeling out for a while. It'll be totally fine. And like two miles later, like, oh, oh no, <laughs> there it hits. That's awesome. So let's dive into what the listeners really want to hear about. Uh, you both had uh, different Atlanta 2020 trials or marathon uh, experiences, uh, walk us through the whole experience. We want to know the travel, the people you went down with the night before the day of the race, post-race, you can break it up into different sections. But, uh, Sarah, if you want to get started off with, uh, the travel people and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, well travel, I, uh, I flew down Thursday by myself. Um, but actually on the plane, uh, I had some CRC teammates. So that was really nice because when I got there, 
Um, if I didn't have them to follow around, I don't know what I would have done because we had to take a couple different subways. Um, and I definitely would have got lo- gotten lost. So I followed them around, uh, until we got to the hotel and we, um, we had to check in uniforms and, um, I'm, immediately my hands were full with a bunch of like free food and stuff, which is really cool. Uh, but I, I just kept piling, uh, everything on. And then I found out that, uh, which is super cool. We, we got a free pair of Nike, um, uh, Nike flats, which was really nice. Uh, um, so it was just the first day was really overwhelming, but in a good way. Um, and then I finally, like, after I had my hands completely full, where I was dropping everything everywhere, um, I checked into my hotel, did a little shakeout run. Um, we had dinner. They had a, um, a lot of like Atlanta track club did a great job with getting, um, every like free food for everyone. So Coca-Cola, they had a dinner and I went to dinner that night and then just kind of relaxed. And, um, Friday was another day of just shakeout, free food and, uh, some technical meetings and then, um, kind of relaxing, um, that night. And then do you want me to go into the race itself or? Yeah, I'm, I'm super curious, especially because obviously the race kind of started a little later than the normal. So how did you adjust to that? Uh, so that was, it was definitely weird. Uh, I was kind of asking around on what everyone else was going to do for breakfast, uh, just because the race started at noon and uh, I didn't know, you know, if people were going to eat a pretty, a pretty big breakfast, uh, a little snack before the race. Um, but most people were saying pretty big breakfast and that's what I did. Um, I had like eggs, oatmeal, um, I think toast, just definitely a big breakfast around like eight o'clock, I think. And I thought maybe I would have a granola bar or a snack, um, a little bit before, but I was pretty full. And also at, the closer I got to the race, the less I wanted to actually, Jackson, the less I wanted to actually eat anything. Uh, so I, I think I, I never had any stomach issues during the race. So I think having that big breakfast around eight o'clock was perfect, which also that morning, uh, I almost forgot that morning, my uh, coach who was also uh, running in the, in the uh, trials, her two daughters ran, they had a kid's, uh, a kid's race that morning. So to kind of, um, relax a little bit and get my mind off the race. I went and watched uh, the kids race, which was perfect. It was so much fun. Uh, and definitely a good way to start off the morning. What distance was that? I think the, um, like five, three to five year olds. I'm pretty sure it was like a 600 meter dash, uh, which was really cool to watch. A lot of them walked and a lot of parents dragging hands to, uh, to try to get the kid across the finish line. And then the older kids did a mile race, which was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It seems like a far away for three to five year olds. Maybe I don't know how far <laughs> that is, but it seems like a yeah. long way on paper. You could definitely uh, see what kids that didn't really want to do it and their parents more wanted them to do it because they were not having it. For sure. So how did you transition from obviously going to that into race mode? Uh, after that, I, uh, I went and actually, uh, got breakfast after that. Cause it was kind of earlier start. And then I went up to my hotel room and I, I got ready. My friend braided my hair, which, um, 
weird enough as it is, just getting my hair braided kind of puts me in a race mode because that's what we did all of college. Uh, so I did that just kind of honestly, like got my mind. I, I'm not, if I get too in depth and, um, thinking about the race and too laser focused, it kind of throws me off. So, um, we actually kind of watched funny videos and just, uh, and just talked and about stuff that didn't pertain to the race as she braided my hair. So, uh, that's, that was a lot better for, for me the morning of. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. So walking out to the starting line, everyone around you, all the emotions, people going crazy, uh, walk us through that. So me and my co I actually just follow my coach around, uh, down to the tent and getting down there, you're in the tent with all of these, um, the top line elite athletes that you follow their stories constantly and, um, that you look up to and they're in the tent getting ready for the biggest race of their life. Um, and it's, it's overwhelming. Um, and, uh, just kind of, I think the nerves set in then it wasn't until I got into the, uh, the race tent and, so me and my coach kind of did a shakeout, got a, away from the madness a little bit and, uh, walking to the start line, there's just a huge group of, uh, I mean, elite, elite runners, the best runners, uh, everyone's hometown hero, uh, from across the country. And it was super cool. And it, so many, so many people, but at the same time, there was a lot of people I ran into that I actually knew, or I've seen before and everyone's so friendly. So it was more casual walking to the line, I guess, than I thought. Um, just cause I ran into people started talking and laughing and, and, uh, that made it a, a lot, um, a lot easier to just relax. But, uh, it wasn't until I guess the gun went off and the first two miles of the race was just so, I mean, intense. Like I, it almost like when the wind gets knocked out of you and and you can't almost catch your breath. Um, that's kind of how it felt when it started the first two, uh, miles because there was so many people cheering, so many people screaming. I couldn't even hear myself think, but all in a good way. Um, and there's so many female athletes just like rushing off the line and it was so intense. So the first two miles, I, all I could do was just smile. And, and I'm pretty sure I said out loud, like, Oh my God, where am I? Like, this is insane. Um, so it was, it was really overwhelming. Even to think about it's emotional. For sure. For sure. And then from there, I mean, you're, you're in it at that point. I mean, there's no, there's no going back at two miles in. So, uh, long way to go. How did the rest of the race play out for you? So, uh, the first, honestly, like the first half, first 15 miles, really, everything was going really good. Uh, to the point where I, I would look down at my watch and I mean, the course was so in- intense and, and so difficult that you're either going up or down. There wasn't really, I don't really remember a, just a, a significant straightaway. You're either going up or down. And um, I had to remind myself to like, like slow down, uh, find the pack behind me. And at one point I almost like jogged in place to find, uh, to get back with the pack behind me that was going a little slower of a pace. And so everything was pretty well until about mile 15, where I, I felt my hand felt super weird. Uh, so I looked down at my right hand and all of my fingers were swollen. Like my hand was huge. 
And so immediately I panicked. I didn't know if I was having an allergic reaction or if something medical was wrong. Um, freaked out, but I kind of just like kept going. My pace definitely slowed down. And I I wasn't sure if I should stop and like find medical if something was seriously wrong. But I knew if I found medical, they would probably pull me and try to figure out um, what was wrong. And at, there was no way I was going to not finish that race, no matter how like fast or slow I went. So I kept going, trying to ignore it, but constantly looking down. It probably looked like I was like checking my watch a billion times, but I was really just looking at my fat hand. <laughs> um, and then things just kind of like got worse from there. Um, I, I had to stop multiple times within the last 10 miles just to chug Powerade. Like at one point, um, I stopped where they were handing out like the nutrition and I just chugged the entire bottle of Powerade, almost threw up and just kind of like jogged <laughs> for a little while. Um, so it was, it was definitely rough getting to the finish line. And then I got rushed to medical tent, which took forever and not really any, any, um, answers, but, um, still a great experience. Just really weird time for my hand to explode. Yeah. So has that ever happened to you before? I mean, obviously that's kind of a no. scary thing to kind of endure. Uh, what was, I mean, obviously you fought through it, but uh, I mean, obviously like, I feel like I, I would just freak out at that point. Yeah. I definitely panicked because I thought like, I thought the worst and like, Oh, I'm going to die. Um, I actually asked people in the medical tent. I'm like, am I okay? Am I going to, I was being very dramatic, but, uh, definitely panicked. It's never happened before. And I thought to myself multiple times, perfect time for something random and new to happen. Um, but I just, I really just wanted to get to the finish line and, and, um, to get through that race. So I tried to ignore it. Definitely still on my mind the entire time, but, uh, glad I finished and I, I still ended up placing higher than what I went in ranked somehow. So I was glad about that. That, that made the day a lot better. Awesome. And what was your time? It was two forty nine thirty, I believe, unofficial. So, or not two thirty nine, two forty nine. Not two thirty nine, two forty nine. Awesome, uh, Nate. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Okay. The video is gone. Well, we can hear. Yeah, we can roll. That's all that. good. Uh, we're transitioning to you now, Nate. Uh, we want to hear all the details. Take us back to the beginning when you first landed in Atlanta. All right. So yeah, similar to uh, her, I I flew in on Thursday uh, by myself. I was able to follow a couple people on all the, the subways and everything. Uh, so I didn't really have too much of a problem. Um, I stopped and got my free pair of Alpha Flies on my way to the hotel, which was just cool. Um, yeah. So when I, I checked in. I was actually rooming with one of my uh, old college teammates. So that was that was pretty cool to see him. Uh, I had another college teammate running for the men as well. And we actually had six women running, uh, six women alumni. So that was, it was cool to have a bunch of people. I, I knew there as well. Um, but yeah, then Thursday I went straight to dinner at a late afternoon flight. Uh, and then on Friday we had, we had breakfast. I had checked my uniform and shoes in and, and all that. Um, and then technical meeting, finally got my bib, uh, all that. So I got that pinned on the, pinned on the singlet the night before, like, like always. And then 
Yeah. So, so race morning, uh, big breakfast, uh, ate, a, ate plenty of bagels cause that's all I really, really eat in race morning. Uh, it, it was a little weird having a, a noon, noon start. Um, but I, I've usually been doing some of my Saturday workouts, uh, around noon. So that kind of been a little ready for that, but it was still a little weird having several hours full of race nerves and, and all that and feeling there's nothing to do, but, but wait around hotel room. Uh, yeah. And then the, the start for me was, it, w- it wasn't too bad. Um, it was, it was cool getting down there and seeing all the fans and everything. Uh, the, the warm-up stretch they had for us was, was nice. It was a little, a little different than I expected. I expected it to be kind of isolated, uh, maybe some fans, but instead there was like half the road closed down and there was still traffic on the other side for a bit. And that was, that was a little weird, but, uh, nothing, nothing we couldn't handle. Of course. Um, nothing really impacted anyone. I don't think, uh, but uh, once the race started, uh, it kind of settled in and, uh, I was running with my, my two college teammates for the first about eight to 10 miles. Um, and then the plan was to go out pretty smart, uh, right around 70 minutes for the half because we knew it'd be a, a slower day. And we thought if we just ran right around 220, we would place pretty high, which ended up being correct, but none of us ended up running that. Um, uh, so around, around I think nine or 10 miles, I started to, started to pull away from that group that I was with, uh, just not really meaning to, but I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, just gonna go for it. Uh, I had in the back of my mind that I, wanted to be around top, top 70 to top 50 on a, on a really good day. Uh, so I was like, you know, I'm going to start catching people. We'll see what happens. I, I, f- I feel really good. Um, maybe I'll break out. Maybe, maybe I'll die. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I go through the half right about just under 109. So um, uh, definitely on, on a pace for a PR, which I thought would be great on the day, but I uh, also thought it was very realistic. Uh, I thought I was ready for the hills and ready for the wind. Um, but then about mile 16, I started to get little twinges of cramps in my, in my arms and my calves. And I was like, okay, this could, this might get pretty, pretty grueling here. So uh, I try to try to stay, stay, uh, calm and cool. Um, pretty, pretty consistent there. Uh, but there's really not much you can do at that point besides just try to keep taking in fluids and, yeah, stay stay right in your head. Um, so by the time I hit mile, I think twenty, uh, I was really starting to feel it. Um, I thought I was slowing down much more than I was, which is just pretty good. So at mile twenty, I think I was still right around top seventy and um, still on PR pace, I believe. Uh, but started to slow down there some, and then with three miles to go is when I really started to slow down and started uh, getting more cramps and switched to more of a, a survival mode and just, just, just try to finish um, and told myself to enjoy the experience because it's like, if I, if I just smile and, and die less than a lot of other people, I'll still, still place pretty high because it's just absolute carnage at this point. Um, and, you know, these only come around so often. So I just try to enjoy the experience. And uh, then I hit, Two, about two miles ago, I think it was around 24, I started cramping pretty bad in my, my arms and my legs to the point where like I was, my running form was obviously like, this guy's not, this guy's not doing well. Um, so yeah. And then 400 to go, I was 
I tried to pick it up a little bit because it's like, you know, I just don't want to get out kicked by anyone here. And and then I got a really, I almost got like a Charlie horse on one of my legs. And I was like, okay, I'm just trying to hobble in here and finish. Um, and as soon as I finished, I, well, the whole time I was telling myself, don't, don't stop and walk because then I won't be able to start again because these cramps will just, will just take over. Um, as soon as I finished and stopped, both my hamstrings locked up and I, I couldn't walk. Like I, I was trying to let's walk through the finish area and I was like, I, I can't move. <laughs> so they, they, they helped me to the, uh, the medical tent for a little bit and they just were just did a little like, you know, stretching and loosen everything up and give me a few power aids and sent me back out. Um, so I, I wasn't in like horrible shape or anything. I was just, just cramping up. Um, but I ended up finishing 114th. Um, I was seated 233rd. So it was awesome. obviously a lot better than I was seated, but, um, I really wanted to get that top hundred. So it's a little disappointing, uh, finishing in survival mode and not, not actually racing and competing at the end, but, Definitely, definitely something I'm, I'm proud of. Definitely. Yeah. It seems like a super awesome experience. Uh, you guys both had, uh, two different days, but, uh, it seems like you both enjoyed it in the end. Uh, just a follow up, Nate, on what you were talking about, uh, with your cramps and whatnot. Did you ever experience those in your other, uh, marathons that you ran or was this kind of a new experience? Kind of like Sarah experienced. Um, a little bit of both. That's something I've kind of been thinking about. Uh, the first marathons, they, when I was, when I was dying and hitting the wall, um, I think it was, it was more of a easier for me to mentally give up, um, because I knew I wasn't going to run under 219. So I was just kind of pity jogging in. Uh, so I don't think I had to push myself to where I was like right on the edge, um, while dying like that. Uh, but this one, I, I knew it did time really didn't matter. I was like, just get there without, uh, dying. So, I mean, I've definitely, had marathons like that where at the end is is a death march, but I've never had actual cramping that that bad in my legs and my arms at the same time. Never been running with my arms straight down like I was the last two miles because they're cramping if I held them in regular running form. Is there a uh, video we can get of that? <laughs> I've I've been trying to find a video of the finish line to see if you can just see me like stop and like like lock up, but <laughs> I haven't found any yet. If you guys find it, you got to send it my way. Yeah, we definitely will. Sarah, uh, can you turn your video sideways? Is it still? Let's see what's going on here. There you go. We, we are all okay. missed you there for a second. Sorry. It's all good. Um, you guys both obviously had the races you had. What's the biggest takeaways when you look back on the experience? What's the one thing you're going to walk away with and be like, wow, this is the, the moment that kind of changed it. And I'm going to take this way going forward. Sarah, you can start. Um, I guess just seeing like everyone's reaction after finishing and, and, um, the good days and the bad days and hearing everyone's like story, um, afterwards, it's just, it's really motivating. I remember the, uh, the plane ride home, I was just more motivated than I ever have been. And, um, so humbled from the experience and, uh, just really wanting to see how many I can, um, I can attend, um, just, I don't know, being around all of, uh, all of those runners and everyone that works so hard to get there is really cool. And just talking to all the people like throughout the weekend, I mean, the race was great. Well, for part of it. Um, but I guess like before and after just meeting new people and talking to everyone, that was probably the best part. Definitely. Nate. Yeah. There's this 
every person there has a has a very interesting story of how they got there and what it means to them. Um, it's just it's, it's so cool to be a part of um, just towing the line with so many people that are just like yourself and you know like train really hard and um, you know maybe work full time jobs and uh, try to train at a, a elite level at the same time. And it's just it's so cool to be a part of that and. Uh, yeah, it's it's also humbling just to be in the same same line as as all the big names and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, kind of transitioning into the next thing. What's the best piece of running advice you guys have ever received? Whether it's uh, marathon specific, uh, longer distance, shorter distance, uh, Nate, go for it. I definitely say consistency. Um, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter what you're training for, but uh, even more so in the marathon and longer distances, it's it really doesn't nailing one workout isn't isn't necessarily uh, always good. I'd rather have a, a training block full of average runs than nail a couple workouts and then be in the hole for a, a week or two. Um, just really just building those those runs day after day and week after week, uh, month after month, and eventually year after year and that's what that's what puts you in a good position to to be successful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Are you there? Um, I have to well definitely agree with the consistency. I've heard that multiple times. Uh, I'd have to say um, patience too, uh, especially with the longer distances. Having the patience with workouts, having the patience in a race. Um, and just with your training in general, the good things will happen. You just have to, to keep working hard and eventually it'll get there. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump, so I'll, jump back a little bit it. towards the, to the race itself and the, and the course. Um, I heard it was, a heard this year's course was, had some hills to it. Um, a little more than a little bit, a little more than yeah. most, uh, especially LA, um, but I was curious to hear about that and, and maybe some of the, if you guys attempted to do that during your training or if you did that near the end of your training, once you found out that it was going to be hilly or how you guys approached the, the hills. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely threw hills in my, my training. Um, there's a, a loop I do for like fart licks and lighter workouts that has a hill in it. Um, and then for my long runs, I was, I was usually putting in uh, long runs in and out of Cuyahoga Valley here on the roads. So I was, I was averaging about 80 to hundred feet of gain per mile on the roads. And the trials course is about 50 feet per mile gain. So I was definitely uh, ready for the Hills and I, I could tell I didn't notice them as much as other people did in the race. So <laughs> I wish I could stay the same, but <laughs> I, Trained on the bike path in Columbus, uh, so was not the smartest. I did not train a lot of hills, and I regret that decision because <laughs> it was very hilly. Yeah, Columbus doesn't really uh, help you there with any hills. You have to go a little further. Nope. So, yeah, not a good location for hill training. Nope. I was kind of surprised that they had 1,300 feet of elevation gain. It's a then, lot for a marathon. It's, it is a lot. It was so hard. I mean, just, it's just yeah, it's go just, for it, John. It's just funny to like listen to the comparison between you know people who do that and and the marathon of 1,300 feet of elevation. And last week, where we had you know 
580 per per loop or whatever, and it ended up being like thousands for the OBU course and stuff like that. And it's just a whole different different game. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you guys have plans to hopefully return to more uh, trials, qualifiers. Uh, what is your guys' goals for the future? Uh, start with 2020 and then go into beyond. Whoever wants so, it. Um, <laughs> so I, for the rest of 2020, uh, I definitely want to work on some shorter stuff. Uh I want to get on the track a little bit. Um, I kind of miss the shorter stuff right now, uh, but mix it up with the, I'm hoping to do the 25 K championships. Uh, I think they're in grand Rapids in May, um, but kind of work on some shorter stuff, kind of do a half marathon. Uh, everything's kind of up in the air, but definitely want to get on the track soon. That's awesome. Nate. Yeah. So the main goal of 2020 will be the Akron marathon in September, uh, it's where I live. So, uh, ran the half last year. haven't ran the full yet. Um, then only had, I think one or two times it, yeah, two times that the, uh, an Akron runner has won it. So, uh, definitely, definitely looking to bring home the W there. Um, but before that, I think I'm thinking a 10 K up in Cleveland. Um, it's working some shorter things. Uh, there was a possibility of going up to 25k champs in Grand Rapids. I went to college right there, so uh, that would be fun. But I'm unsure about that one. Um, it's kind of playing it by ear for the rest of the, the spring and summer because I don't want to don't want to rush back into things if I'm not ready for it. Understandable. So I know that all of Regeneration has a very pressing question to ask both of you. And Nate has dabbled a little bit in uh, trails and ultra, uh, winning a race or two, and then also running the JFK 50 a couple years back. But when will you guys take over to the Ohio ultra running scene? (laughs) Um, Sorry, Mike. Uh, Not for a little while. But um, maybe, maybe uh, in the future, but not anytime soon. I know Mike has um, really tried to convince me to just give up the shorter stuff and start now and and uh, have him coach me, but not anytime soon. <laughs> All right. We'll keep trying. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, Aldress is definitely something that – I've dabbled with and, uh, I do plan to, to go all in eventually. Um, the way I see it right now is the marathon be my main focus until, until I'm done trying to be competitive, like at a, at a trials type level. Um, but, uh, it doesn't mean I won't run any more ultras until I'm done with that. Like I ran JFK, um, 2018, uh, there's a chance I might run it again, again this year. If, uh, I'm feeling good coming off of, Akron and I just just feel like it um uh yeah I I don't think I'll go all in of course until till after that uh my my dabble was some some road 50ks and uh a, a road 50 mile or a 100k sounds sounds appealing but uh I don't really know if I want to throw those into the to the mix quite yet um but after I'm done competitively marathoning I do you fully intend on running a few hundred milers and uh, at least, at least trying my hand at a couple 24 hour races. 
Yeah, I feel like you guys would both be super awesome at those events. Uh, Nate, it's great to hear that you officially confirmed your JFK entry for this upcoming year. Uh, <laughs> I think you heard that one more definite than I did. <laughs> I was there this past year, so uh, if you're down there, I'll definitely make sure to come back and check it out. I, again, think, so. I think my one experience there is a little skewed because 2018, the year I ran, it was the year they were saying it was the worst, worst trail conditions ever and with the snow and the mud. Um, so yeah, that definitely played into my uh, negative feeling the last last ten miles of that. Well, there you go. You got to go back and experience it for yeah. what it's worth. Get the, that's, that's the full experience. So yeah. uh, that's that's awesome. One thing that we kind of uh, always love asking people, because um, obviously running is one of those things that's always up and down, and uh, sometimes our failures kind of. Uh, motivate us more than our successes. So what is your guys' biggest failure in running and how did that mold you into the runner you are today? Sarah, if you want to start this one off. So I'd have to say uh, around this time last year, I wasn't taking like nutrition in general, super serious, Uh, especially after my last marathon. I um, just wasn't refueling correctly. And I few weeks a year ago um this time I found out I was super anemic with my like ferritin levels at 7.7 when they're supposed to be 60 to 100 so that uh, was kind of an eye opener to um and a reality check that I need to take stuff more serious so ever since then I've been trying to make it um a huge priority uh to make sure I'm like feeling my body with everything and especially like right after a workout so it's, it's been a process, but, um, getting better at it. That's awesome. Nate. Um, I'd say my biggest failure was the way I finished out my, my college running career. Um, my, yeah. So the, my last, my senior year in cross country, we ended up second to in a heartbreaking loss at the cross country championships, uh, for division two. And then, um, that really played a big, had a big toll on me um, going into track that I didn't really realize. So I was just a, a mental mess. And then just the transition going on uh, to post-collegiate uh, life, going into grad school and everything kind of played in that. So I pretty much just bailed and essentially skipped the second half of my uh, my senior year outdoor track, which is really disappointing because I was in really good shape and um, was was poised to, to run a really good 10K. But uh, – yeah, kind of, kind of spaced out on that one, but got back in the horse and um, brought things back together and put some good races together post collegiately. Definitely, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you went to Grand Valley State. Yes, yes, correct. Awesome, and then Sarah, you went to Shawnee State University, correct? Awesome, yep. awesome. Uh, obviously, there's more to you guys than uh, just running and this this one event. Uh, what do you guys do outside of running maybe professionally, uh, just for fun? Uh, who are you guys? Nate, if you want to start this one off. Right. Yeah. So like I said, I'm in grad school. I'm working on a, a PhD in polymer science at the university of Akron. So I'm in my third year right now, uh, almost finishing that up. So I have about two years left. Um, I'm also working part-time up at NASA Glenn research center in uh, Cleveland. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I study ice. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's awesome. Sarah. 
So I'm a, a physical therapist assistant and I am a uh, dog owner to uh, Jackson, whoever and already saw, which is a full-time job basically. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, running and just kind of hanging out with friends. Definitely. Definitely. John, do you have any final questions for these two awesome guests? No, I don't think so. I think I got all mine. Let's get some inspiration here. Um, sounds like Nate's going to be joining the ultra community soon. And, uh, Sarah's eventually, I guess. Yeah, what's the timeline on Sarah? Like 10 years? Like, we, we got to give her uh, a set set time here. Um, I'm not committing to anything yet. So uh, we'll, we'll say 10 years. That's fine. We'll get you on a future episode and then we'll continue to, to have this discussion. <laughs> Sarah is the first returning guest Woo. of all of our uh, Ridge Runner stuff. Yeah, outside of the, the regular crew. But uh, really, thank you both so much for joining us tonight. We had a blast hearing about your experiences, as well as the training tips and whatnot, your experiences with all the races that you guys went through. I know that Ridge Runner Nation, I know how Ridge Runner Nation is. And once they learn about you, they're going to want to follow you and cheer you along moving forward. So where can people find you on social media? I'm on pretty much everything. Uh, Strava, of course. Um, Instagram, Twitter. It's at Nate Orndorff. Um, same Instagram, Twitter, uh, Strava, which I absolutely love. <laughs> uh, baby Beal is my Instagram and I'm not sure what the rest is, but you can find me on Strava. Awesome. Eric Anderson just chimed in in the uh, comments and he said, you have time when you get old and slow, uh, come on over to the ultras and trails. So, uh, you guys, according to Eric, you guys have some time still. <laughs> yeah. But awesome. We'll make sure to put your guys' uh, social handles in the description of the video. Just a reminder that you can catch these live on YouTube or take us with you on the go via Apple, Apple Podcasts. If you know anyone who you think would be a great guest for the show like these two are, let us know in the comments.